Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with everybody. Just uh, one thing, well, whenever people are sharing these prayer requests and things that are going on, I'm running through my mind. I wish everybody knew the whole story of what's behind all these different things and the things that aren't said. But one thing that didn't come up is that we have our fourth new baby of the year here, right? She's, he, she, yeah. Yeah, well, can you, inter, can you introduce your baby for us? Can you hold? <laughs> Here. <laughs> Yay! What's the name? What is it? Rye. We have a Rook and a Rye. What's, what's y'all's baby's name? Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. Awesome. And Simi. Where's, is Simi here today? He's sick. So four new little babies to uh, help introduce to Christ so they can make a choice to follow him. Pretty exciting. So uh, I have permission to tell you this story. <laughs> a friend who goes to our church came to us and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of days by myself. My husband's going to take care of my kids, and I'm going to go just have some time with the Lord and just a retreat by myself. And where can I go? How can I do that? And, and uh, I'm not sure. And I said, well, there's a family in the church who's offered their house anytime we need it. And it's just right below the house that I live in. And so uh, I called him and said, hey, our friend needs a place, and would you mind if they if they used your house for a couple of days? And I was like, oh, no problem, you know. And they leave it unlocked all the time. So uh, I'm always in the hot tub there anyway. So I'm <laughs> not not really. Well, she so so she uh, it was the night that she was going to come up for the three or four days, and it had snowed that day, and I came home late, like ten thirty, and there was no track car track in the driveway, and I was like, huh. I guess she didn't come. Oh, well, you know. So I said, hey, Claire, did, did her friend come? Should I tell you this is? It's Rosie. Um, where is she's out of here right now. She'll be back. It's Rosie, you know, who sings up here sometimes. Um, and, uh, and so I said, I don't think she's in the house. And Claire said, well, I'm pretty sure she is. I'll text her. So she texted Rosie and nothing came back. And finally, Rosie texted back and said, yeah, I'm there. Everything's great. I'm in bed. It's perfect. I'm all cozy and everything. And so I was like, huh, that seems odd, but because uh, I don't know. How. So I said, so Claire's like, maybe I'll just check. She, so she goes, Rosie, uh, why don't you go and just flip on the lights where you are on the porch? So we'll just be sure that, you know, you're like, and so we can see, you know, because we're our houses, we can see down. And Claire goes out on our deck and the lights come on on a different house. <laughs> and Claire, I got permission. I just didn't say when. <laughs> so Claire's like, oh my God. Claire runs back through the house, jumps in the car, uh, drives over there, and they quickly put the house b- that she's in. 
back together. Like make up the bed, get the food out of the fridge, cover up the furniture, the whole thing. So I thought it was odd that the furniture was covered, but it was unlocked just like it was supposed to be. And it's gray, it's gray and white, it's on the turn. I mean, so they, they rush, they get all that cleaned up and hopefully perfect and leave and take her to the right house and plug her in and everything's good. <laughs> so I, I like to call her Rosie Locks now. <laughs> but, um, here, here's the reason I'm telling you that. Well, one is it's really funny. <laughs> and, and it can only happen here, like right underneath our house. But uh, Rosie was in the wrong house because someone didn't give her enough correct information. That was me. She said, where is it? I don't think I gave her a number. I said, it's the gray house. I just gave her a little bit of info at the turn. And she went where she thought that it was. She did what, there was this, the, now, yes, she could have asked for more info, but, but the problem is that she didn't get the right stuff from me. And that is what Paul is really going after in the book of Galatians, in this series that we're in. He's saying, you don't, here's the truth, and somebody is telling you something else, and you're in the wrong house. You're in the wrong place. And it's just a little nuance of information, but it's really important. And what they're telling you is that you have to help Jesus save you, right? That's really the message because the message is something like if we don't get circumcised for the men, if we don't follow these certain rules and do these certain things that the Jews did, then we won't be accepted by Christ. And so we're trying to add to the cross of Christ to make us right, as if there's something that we can do to help. Hey, Jesus, can I help you get this right for me? See, that that doesn't make sense. But somehow as humans, we want to add to and make a list and do good things and somehow get right with God. But Paul's saying, no, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's so critical that we as a church understand this as believers. And if you're seeking, you've got to understand it is not about earning your place or helping Jesus do something for you. He does all that's necessary for us to be in a relationship with God. Our part is faith. So he's trying to correct this so we don't end up in the wrong place. And in in this, uh, this letter that he's writing to these people, at this point in the book, uh, we're, we're in about halfway through chapter five. He, he changes gears and he talks a little bit about walking with Jesus, walking by the spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This idea where he says, this is, what, this is what we do. This is what we should do. We should walk with the Spirit. And the question that I had then was, well, what does that mean? How do we walk with the Spirit? And hopefully we're going to see in the passage a little bit about how that works. How do we walk with the Spirit? So let me, let me say a couple of things just before. If you've been a believer for a long time, then you need to be honest with this passage. This passage probably should make you angry. It should frustrate you when you read this passage. If you've been a believer for very long at all. If you're a new believer, if you just started walking with Christ, it may be exciting to you. The things, this little thing just, I think I need a different like size ear. Like my own ear is the problem. No, just ignore me if I have to move this a little bit. Uh, just getting it dialed in. If you're a new believer, it may, this may be exciting to you. 
And if you're someone who is exploring, who's trying to say, you know, do I want to cross this line of faith? And you're looking in and trying to figure this out. This should give you something of an idea of what it looks like when we follow Jesus. Right? So just to set that up. And and this, by the way, this is Galatians 5, 16 is where we're going to start. This is one of those, a lot of times when I'm up here and I'm sharing, I'm saying, now when we're going to read Paul, he's going to go all over the place. You know, like a pin, like a, a pinball machine, like ding, ding, ding. You know, he's, his writing goes every, now this time he stays right on track, just right down the middle. So it's kind of interesting for a passage from Paul to be like that. So you'll probably notice, and he says some pretty straightforward things, another characteristic that we often see, but Galatians five sixteen. but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the law are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So some pretty straightforward words, right? Before we dive into the the meat of the passage, I want to just hit two things by way of definition for us. Uh, I think it's really important. Who is the Spirit? If we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, we need to understand something about that. So I'm just going to give you, like this could be a whole, you know, semester or two class in seminary. We're going to talk about it in 45 seconds. Uh, the Spirit, Jesus calls the Helper. Okay, this is part of, this is God who comes in, in a form that is a helper to us. In fact, he's, he is such a helper that Jesus says to his disciples, it's better for the, the Spirit to be with you than for me to be with you. you they, when he told them that, they must have been like, wait a second, we thought now that you're resurrected, things are going to go, you're with us, things are going, I mean, this is going to be awesome, right? That's what I would have been thinking. This is, this is miraculous. I'm on the, t- the team, you know, the team. And he says, but by the way, I'm leaving, but I'm giving you the spirit that's going to be better for you than if I was even here with you. So he's called the helper in that sense. So just kind of hold on to that word, helper, for a moment. Um, here's another word. Uh, the, the actual word for spirit is the word for wind or like breath or something like that. In, in this sense, I think it's really helpful because wind is strong but unseen, powerful but unseen. And so this Greek word, I think, is, is pneuma, but it, we all understand that, that word in our language even, but pneuma is this, this idea of something that is strong but can't be seen, and the Spirit is like that. Uh, and another thing that we've seen a lot in Galatians is that the Spirit was given by God to give us literally a feeling of relationship with God. Literally to help us feel that we know him. 
because there's a certain contractual, contractual sense in a way we become believers. Sometimes we, we're like, I don't know if I feel this or not. The Spirit is there as our helper to comfort us, like Lisa mentioned earlier when she prayed, to guide us, to, to, as this passage says, walk beside us, strengthen us, and give us a feeling, a sense of the presence of God with us. So that's the Spirit, just a quick overview of the Spirit. But what is the flesh? Now, whenever I read the word f- the flesh in the Bible like this, I can't help, I get this picture of like the, the preacher dad in Footloose, you know, the flesh, you know, everything, the fl- everything's bad. Everything you might enjoy is bad. It's going to wreck you, you know, this preachery kind of, you know, I don't know, it, it doesn't connect with our world too much. But the actual word that's translated in the Greek is something that we may have uh, added to or, or our culture kind of brings things to. I want to ask you to sort of try to erase that idea of the flesh in that sense just a little bit. And let me redefine that just slightly. Um, the flesh is just that part of us that we're calling the flesh that is self-destructive. I think every one of us in here, believer or not, will agree that there is some part of us that just wants to mess things up. You know, and maybe I'm just speaking to guys, but I've told you a million times, I'm like 13 years old, stuck in a 50-year-old body, okay? I just keep doing dumb stuff all the time. And I tell myself, some of my guys we were talking the other day, I was like, you know, this is the thing I do. I tell myself, don't say that. And then I say it, okay? There, this is no external force. This is just me breaking relationships because I have the flesh, Okay? So when I say the word flesh, let's not think footloose. Let's just erase that and just think, okay, this is the word that we need to understand. It's that thing that causes us to want to be, uh, to live destructively. Uh, the thing about our flesh too, and it's important to say, is it is always essentially selfish at its core. I mean, what messes up our relationship with ourselves? We mess things up. And, and we know that something is not right. We mess, in the same way, we mess things up with God. We mess things up with others. It's always because it was me, me, me. If you just are honest and zoom out and look at the reasons, it's always that kind of thing. And that's the flesh. It's very self-focused. So spirit and flesh, they're kind of opposed to each other. So how do we walk by the spirit? Okay, get ready. I have two points today, not three. So for those of you who've been around a few times, um, it doesn't mean it's any shorter. I'm still going really long. <laughs> Not really. Uh, two parts of walking with the Spirit that we're going to pull out of here. Uh, one is that we walk with the Spirit in truth and promise. Walk with the Spirit in truth and promise. And the other is that we walk with the Spirit in relationship. Okay, truth and promise in relationship. So let's talk about that truth and promise idea. So, When I said, if you've been a believer for a while, if you read this and you're really honest about it, then what you're going to see is you're going to see something that should frustrate you, even make you angry, because you look at it and say, wait a second, I've been trying to follow Christ for a long time, and I'm still, I still follow the flesh. I still do these things that are destructive. Why do I continue to do these things? And so you're confused. How can Paul write that? And say, no, you're not going to be impacted by it. But then at the same time, you're like, wait a second, I I am. I mean, look at these. Look at verse 16. 
Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a pretty straightforward statement, isn't it? There's not a lot of gray in there. And then look at uh, 24. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you've crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. That's pretty permanent sounding, right? How, How does what he is saying make sense with my life? If I'm trying to follow him. Now, if you're, if you're a new believer, you're like, awesome, I'm so ready to be free of this stuff. I'm so ready to move on. That's so exciting. But at the same time, those of us who've been believers are like, mm, it's, it's not always as easy as it seems. Well, I, I really wrestle with, I've wrestled with this passage for a long time, uh, throughout my life, really, to try to understand what in the world Paul could be saying. And so I thought, well, there, there has to be a way in which this is true, even in spite of, of the fact that even my most mature believing friends still struggle with the flesh. And so I, I read the passage a few more times and I thought, you know what? What's actually happening here is not a litany of reasons that I'm a failure, but it's a series of truths and promises. The truth is, when I walk by the Spirit, I'm not under the influence of the flesh. That's a promise and a truth. Do you see that? This is really significant. Maybe I'm just talking to God. I don't know what you girls deal with. But guys, just when we, we continue to struggle, we continue to do the same things over and over again, this is a promise that there is a different way. When we walk by the Spirit, we there, it is possible that the flesh would not have an impact on us, that we would no longer continuously be driven in that direction. So it is true and it is a promise, not a condemnation. If you notice, when you go through the passage, you could put, there's several different things that he says. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't carry this out. If you're led by the Spirit you won't be subject to this. When you belong to Jesus, this stuff has no power over you. These are promises for us. They're truths that are out there. But in our, the fact that we still have the flesh as a part of us means we're going to struggle with these things. So they're not condemned. What I want to encourage you to do is when you study this, meditate on it, think about it. Look at these as promises rather than condemnations. Do you see? That's important for me because I'm looking at it going, okay, now I I really stink. But that's not, that is a total misunderstanding of the whole book of Galatians, right? It's not about what I can do or can't do. In fact, he's writing it to these people because they're struggling and and they're believers. Let me see if I can illustrate this. I don't know if any of you ever watched uh, uh, Monty Python, Monty Python's Flying Circus, the show. Some of you are old enough to have done that. There was a skit that they would do on that show, uh, in, or, or they did at least one time, and I've, I've always remembered, I thought it was hilarious. It was called No Sense of Direction. And they, would, they had these, several of the guys that were, you know, Monty Python guys, and they lined up on uh, a track in a stadium, and they were all on the line, and they had a sportscaster talking about all these guys in these games. You know, it was called No Sense of Direction. And then they'd say, the gun went off, and they all just went, Pew. just, 
you know, one guy just standing there and they're taking, if you ever see this, you know, that's just what they did. They just didn't have any sense of direction. They just, there was nowhere they were going to go. But they had been set on the course, told how it was going to work, and then they just went different directions. And this is so often how it is as, as believers. I look, I look up and from my life for a moment, I get with God and, and I'm like, I have no sense of direction. I've, I've been placed in, in the right place that I can actually fulfill what I was made to do, to enjoy it, to run, if you will, like Paul says, he uses these metaphors of sports. But instead, I just, you know, just disconnect and wander off in the wrong direction. There's this, this thing that this, uh, this flesh causes us to do. But the truth is that it is actually possible for us to run on the course. That's the promise at the same time. We can live without that destructive uh, way of uh, influence or, or the thing that's continuously dragging us away. In fact, I think uh, one way to say this uh, is the closer we walk with the Spirit, the less power in appeal that the flesh has over us. So the encouragement is to walk with the Spirit so that it, what it does is it, it starves the flesh. It causes the flesh, th- that side of us that wants to be destructive, it ca- that flesh is calling out, but the more we walk with the Spirit, the more that it, that voice is diminished. So the encouragement is to, is to walk with the Spirit. But let's talk about a little more about what that means, and that's relationship. Walking with the Spirit is not just knowing truth, in knowing a promise, but it means relationship. Remember those words I mentioned to you? It says, you know, you walk with the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, you belong to Jesus, you live in. See, Paul's on this track. He's, he's given us all these different ideas for how it is that we are in relationship with Christ through the Spirit. And, and that's, that's not something he often does. It's powerful. Walking, I just want to divide, uh, uh, explain it like this, is a word that we've used a lot here, and we're going to use a lot in 2016, and that is the same thing, is abiding. Remember that other passage in Scripture where Jesus says, it's like when you're with me, when you know me, it's like you're, you are um, grafted into the vine that I am. And then you, you derive your nutrients, you derive everything that's important to your life through that thing that is me, that is Christ. That's to abide in him. And when we abide in him, we are walking with the spirit. That's, that's what, now I know that that sounds like, how exactly am I supposed to do that? Let me encourage you. When you are abiding in a relationship, you spend time together, you hang out together, you read letters from each other or emails, whatever, maybe texts perhaps, but in this case, we have the word of God. You get around and you you gather fellowship with other people who will encourage you and keep you accountable in that and continue to help you walk in that direction, right? Those are normal relationship things. We all understand those things. That's how we abide. It's just that simple. Let me me see if I can illustrate that um, idea of walking with him one other way. uh, We're fostering a dog right now. 
And uh, she's a sweet dog. She's sort of a, she looks sort of like a German shepherd. And so she's about this big. And, and so we're, in, we're enjoying getting to know the dog, but there's one thing that she happens to be very bright. Her name's Brandy. And Brandy has the ability to actually let herself out of the house or any room that you put her in because we have those door handles that go like this. So she just goes, and she goes out. Now, we didn't know that uh, when we got her. So we had a couple things happen where we're like, okay, you know, we have two dogs. See y'all later. We leave. And we come back and the door to the house is just wide open and the dogs are gone. We're like, oh, you know, not good. I mean, we're fostering the dog. We need the dog to come home. It doesn't belong to us. She, uh, she, anything could happen. You know, she, she could find herself a porcupine or, you know, a large deer that's not happy, you know, in the summer or whatever. So it's a dangerous situation for her and her other dog to leave. Now, don't, don't get offended here. I'm going to compare us to the dog. Okay, so don't, that, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, she thinks when she's letting herself out that that's the best possible thing she could do. It has never crossed her mind that it might be destructive for her to do that, right? She just wants to be where we are or wants to be outside or whatever it is, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how she's made. She has this destructive thing that, that she wants to do and she thinks it's good. But it's not good. It's not good. When we take her on a walk, it's important to keep her on a leash so that she doesn't jet off and find the porcupine, right? Or disappear, run out in front of a car, or any number of other things that might happen. So we walk her to a place where when we're walking along, we're in a relationship, we can let her off and she can run where it's safe, right? We all get that. Is, is it not somehow similar to walk with the Spirit? He's... The Spirit walks beside us, has our best interest in mind, loves us, is trying to take care of us, but can't just let us go busting out the door at any point to destroy ourselves. Now, as we learn and as Brandy becomes a part of our family more and more, she's going to understand that she can walk beside us and we're going to give her the freedom that she needs. So freedom in her mind is not actually a good thing, is not the good thing. We understand what real freedom is. And that's the relationship with the Spirit. So when it says, you have the freedom, basically, it says that you won't do what you want to do. We think freedom is doing whatever we want to do, right? In our hearts. Fact is that freedom is not doing anything we want to do. But freedom is found in relationship with God through the Spirit. And you know, unlike, unlike our relationship with our dogs, uh, Jesus died for us to bring us into relationship. There's a big difference here. He died to bring us into relationship with him. If we recognize that, that should draw us towards him through the Spirit. But you know, uh, as I've said many times, if you're in the north end of the valley, you're an independent person, vacationer or not, local, however you want to look at it. We're independent people and we resist being led. So you can just assume this is a part of your character. You resist being led. I resist being led. But when we walk or are led by the Spirit, that's the best possible place we can be. 
Paul uh, has to get his, his kind of Pauline thing in here. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, which I warn you of. Hey, come on, Paul, we're in church. Does it have to be a list, you know, that's that, you know, uh, brutal? I love, and this is so, such a Pauline thing. He says, uh, here's this massive list of everything you can think of. And then he says, and things like these. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, asterisk, everything you can think of. <laughs> it's so funny when, when I hear this from time to time, and, and I've even said it, I think, it'd be awesome to be a part of the first century church, you know, where they were doing such incredible stuff. Well, this is incredible stuff. He wrote all of these things for a reason. The early church was messed up. So they didn't have anything on us. They didn't have some special pathway to God. It was still the spirit. It was still what is right here. We have exactly the same access, exactly the same kind of community to reach into and exactly the same problems, plus all the other problems you could possibly think of. Okay, we're we're getting to a really important, probably the most important part of this whole thing. He says, um, people who do these things will not enter the kingdom of God. Okay, that's one of those statements I've got to figure out how to understand because at least one of those things I've done recently, right? Somehow in there, that is a part of my life. So does that mean I don't enter the kingdom of God? When we put all the scripture together, if we put all the words of Paul, all the words that Jesus gave us together, we see that there's, there's more than one thing happening here. These are a description of all of us, whether believers or not. It's just that people who haven't come to believe Christ have nothing to um, help them move those things away from their, from their guilt list, if you will. That's the, that's the difference. Like, if you're a Christian, you're like, oh man, I'm glad that that stuff's not all on me anymore. Well, it still is on you. It just happened to be transferred to Jesus Because look at the passage, it says um, in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That doesn't mean that they don't influence you. Obviously, they do influence us. What it means is that the penalty for those things, the broken relationship related to those things has been taken care of. Not by you and not by anything that you can do. So the, the, do, you see how, do you see how, I don't know if I can even express how important this is to understand. At the cross, the penalty for these things that plague us has been wiped away. For everyone, the only difference between a believer and someone who has not come to believe is that the believer says, yes, Jesus, I accept that gift. I accept, that is the difference. So only by faith. You didn't do anything special. You aren't special because of that. Everyone receives this gift, is offered this gift. It's whether we will actually take it by belief or not. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh. Those things no longer will we have to pay for, but Jesus paid for them for us. So, there is a truth and a promise repeated throughout this, that there is a place where the flesh doesn't influence us like it did. 
It, that is, is very possible. The only way that that happens is through walking with the Spirit, knowing Christ well through the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, recognizing that whatever it is that's in my past, present, or future is paid for, and I can't help earn a way to make things better with Jesus. He took that condemnation for us. And what we're going to do to wrap this up is we're going to, um, we're going to take a moment with communion. Lisa's going to lead us to look at that relationship in a significant way. As, well, at least I'll let you um, take it from there. But uh, there is, this is a moment to truly settle in and consider what that truth and promise and relationship looks like in your life.